I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Oi, the boys and girls on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes the tales can get quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking mitts and now it's time to go. Cause it's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. It's the booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. With Danny, Jimmy, Greg, and Andy, Jimmy, JC. You're listening to Footy Prime the Broadcast, a broad perspective of all things footy. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Welcome to Footy Prime the Broadcast. No, it's not that. It's Footy Prime the Broadcast, right? So the tagline is going to be broadening your horizons one pot at a time. Oh, I'm willing to workshop it, workshop it, but I've got my, it's too late. my already recording. No, I know. <laughs> and I've got my host hat on. Usually it's Charmin or it's Dan Wong, but I've got my hat on and I feel like it's a jaunty hat. So I've got my hair up in a bun. So if I have to pick a hat. It's going to be a jaunty one. Okay. And we're looking for sponsors. So if anybody wants to jump in, I think that we should double down on the broads factor, right? Diva cup or your hat. Diva cup. What? Or your jaunty hat, either one. Yes, exactly. Diva Cup, when I played, Rian, you were with Ottawa. Yeah. And I played with uh, with Montreal. And we had a contraceptive brand as our sponsor. And it was our cheer before games. We would put our hands in and we would say, Dian 35. And it was a birth control pill. So I feel like double down on that shit, right? I think it's been discontinued. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> says says the doctor. I mean, I think I just am 35. <laughs> now I'm second guessing myself. Oh god, I'm going to get like sued for defamation or something. <laughs> so, anyway, my Great. so broadening your horizons one pot at a time, doubling okay. down on that shit. Anything and everything that is women, let's go. Let's go Tampax products, let's go um contraception, let's go what else? Uh, lactation pads. Sure. Yes. Just all sports bras. Yep. That works correctly. I think that's what we should be doing so that we can really give the pod a broad appeal. Oh, (laughs) I want to, can I opt out? I feel like, yeah. (laughs) Have I wrecked it already? (laughs) Can't opt out. It's too late. We've already started recording. You have written down just so I know how to prepare myself. How many do you still have to come to No, that's it. I'm done. Horizons anymore. We're good. No, that's it. We're good. So I feel like for people who don't don't know us, I mean, people who listen to the podcast probably know me. I'm Amy, Amy Walsh. We have Rian Wilkinson, and we have Claire Rustad. You guys want to tell the people a little bit about yourselves? You go first, Claire. Well, 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 well. I have become that person who gets angry when deer get into my garden. Um, Starting with the important stuff. Yep. Never thought I would be. Well, you said fun stuff. <laughs> like, relatable. <laughs> super relatable. Um, yeah, no, I live on a little island in, in BC now. Well, I like moved back to my hometown. So that's where I live. 
Salt Spring Island, right? Island. And it is um, like, it's been spectacular weather since May here, uh, which basically means we're all concerned that the island is going to like go up in flames at some point. Hmm. Um, yeah. We live on the edge of terror here on the West Coast between like tsunamis, earthquakes, and forest fires. Um, <laughs> you're cut from the same cloth as Craig Forrest because your glass is decidedly half empty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a doctor. So I like, I split my time between my clinic and the emergency department here on the Island. And it is, uh, never boring. It's always busy. Um, and, and he used to play soccer. He used to play soccer. That's the other thing. That's the thing we're getting to. <laughs> um, I'm used to these like these like committee meetings where you have to to kind of like say, oh, this is where I live and this is what I do on the island. Yes, I also played soccer a long time ago. Um, in 2008, with the Olympic Games of 2008 was my last um, thing that I did with the national team. Although I did revive my career on the May long weekend recently to play with a local team in a local tournament. I think I broke a rib. It's okay. It's healed now. Um, okay, me Jesus, this ball of fun is too much. <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, yeah, I played, what, 45 times, scored three goals against some not great opponents. Um, and and uh, you're also a soccer analyst. That's You yeah, have that's thoughts, you have opinions, I'm, I'm and I'd love to hear them. I've been a very busy month. Um, yes, I leave on Thursday for Australia to um, cover Canada's game in the World Cup coming up. Canada's game's in the World Cup coming up. Amazing. So, and I will be doing that from the studio in Toronto. So we yeah. can high five one another from across totally. the world. Yeah, yeah. This, I, I didn't, I wasn't really thinking about it until the other day, but this will be my fourth world cup as an analyst, which is kind of crazy. I've been doing it for like 12 years. That's incredible. Yeah. So long, long Very time. cool. Rian Wilkinson, you're up. Okay. Well, hard to follow. Um, start, start with deer. I played soccer for a long time. I'm coaching now. Played with Amy and Claire for for many years, and um, I was just thinking of of connection pieces between the three of us. And mine was that I thankfully um, I was shorter than both of you, and was really good at being like over. And both of you had my back. Um, <laughs> we're definitely legends at uh, body on the line playing. So I think epitomized the two of you. And I think about it. Um, there's a reason Canada soccer is achieving so much success and that's the incredible um, veterans that came before. And it's not just the play. I think we know that we played a very basic form of the game early doors, but that mentality and that all for the team continues. And I think still makes Canada really stand out. So uh, lucky enough to be your guys' teammates for a long time. Now I'm in coaching um, and working with Diana Matheson on Project 8 and trying to help uh, grow that, put it together. And I'm, I'm loving that work. So home is North Vancouver. And I live, my sister and her family live in my attic. Um, or if you talk to or you sister, live in a basement. I live in a basement. That's my glass. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, your, that's your perspective flip there. I like that very much. I didn't know you were in BC, Rian. Okay, yeah. so you have the same sort of like natural disaster anxieties that I do, or not, maybe. Or yes. nobody else has those. Or maybe that's just me. Yeah, I, okay. I think that's a Claire thing. We can come back to that. We, yeah, but... I could get back to that with my therapist, maybe, but... <laughs> Different podcast, though. Different podcast. But cr crazy intros from you both, but I thought that you could... Claire, we'll go back to you. Your best tournament, doesn't have to be a World Cup, but tournament memory game a moment or crazy travel story because canada in group b not only gets arguably the group of death but they get a shitty travel arrangement where they go from one side of the continent to perth and then back over to the east coast yeah so do you have any like major tournaments or friendlies or things that you played where you had to contend with that or just a just a wacky story um well so it's, I didn't actually ever play in the senior world cup. Um, I mean, my favorite, um, tournament that we played in, I, I always go back to the 2002 under 19 world cup in Edmonton. Um, because it, it makes, it gives me all the feels about Edmonton, which is, I, you know, I think oftentimes Edmonton gets a bit of a bad rap, but, um, they, uh, it, 
I, I never could have imagined 48,000 people coming to watch a whole bunch of teenagers play in the final there. And they did. Um, and it, it was like, my parents kept saying it was like, um, Edmonton won the Stanley cup at one, after we beat Brazil in the semifinal to, to qualify for the final and people were like hanging out their windows, waving Canada flags, honking their horns, took three hours to get home because of traffic. And so that, I mean, for me, that's my favorite kind of tournament memory, but like wacky travel story. Oh, um, I mean, we were known as like the nomadic team in 2008. We, played what two games in Tianjin and then one game in Beijing and then one game in Shanghai. I mean, we were barely in the Olympic village. That was, that was a lot of travel. Um, yeah, that's true. And it was a way that felt made us, or at least I mean, it felt for me at least um, like kind of disconnected from the Olympic games as a whole, because we weren't really um, a fixture in the Olympic village. And it, it just felt like another tournament um, felt a bit disconnected from the games, but did you stay after Claire? After we were eliminated, did you stay or did you go straight home? No, I stayed um, and then flew to my first day of med school. Um, that was disorienting. Uh, yeah, oh, because yeah. for me it was it's that second half of that tournament that made it an Olympic experience for me. For sure, when we were eliminated already, because you're right, we were on the road the whole time. Yeah, yeah. that was the first time I was like, it was when we went to watch. Bolt win the 200 and the, the Jamaican men win the four by one. I was like, Oh, we're at the Olympics right now. Yeah. We were like, they're like celebrating right in front of us. And it was, yeah, that was, you're right. I, I agree. That was the part where that sort of sunk in. Yeah. I can remember one term. It doesn't really have much to do with traveling like between games, but they're back in, back in the day uh, when I was a, like relatively young I was probably like 19 with the team um, and there was this whole crew of us flying out of Vancouver to meet up with everybody I think it was for the Algarve one of the Algarve Cups and we Those all great tournaments hey the Algarve Cups they were amazing yeah yeah um this <laughs> sure um <laughs> I hated the first one but that was my own in my own head problem um, You're worried about the natural disasters in the Algarve. It's okay. No, we understand. I, I was a bit of an anxiety spiraler of a player. So um, I torched my own tournament. But no, so we all arrived at the airport and there was a huge crew of us flying out of Vancouver. It was probably like eight of us. And we were all standing there in our, in our, it was khakis and white shirts, right? We all had to wear khakis and white shirts and black shoes. There was a time when we had to do that. I never well, fucking wore that. I don't remember that. <laughs> Claire, you laid out your outfit the night before and you're like, this is what I'm going to wear. Oh, I'm going to make a great I, impression. I, Nobody I, else I, wore that. Nobody else wore that. I still don't own khakis. There's no way. <laughs> Maybe I'm hallucinating. Anyways, and our flight was canceled. So they were like, the we Randy Hermes was like the adult in charge. Um, I mean, that, you know, that's going They're sound done. quick right I know. And they were like, go go get a hotel room at one of the airport hotels because our next our the next flight was going to be in like 10 hours or something They're like go get a hotel room and and buy and get everybody food so we went to the fairmont <laughs> and got a hotel room and go watch pay-per-view movies and a room service nice um, it was actually not bad. I mean, we could have gone to like the Holiday Inn, but no, Randy was like, yeah, we're going to the Fairmont. <laughs> well, hey, Randy. Hill. We know where the money went now. I, there it is. That one <laughs> tournament where we got to eat room service. Before you jump in, Re, I wanted to go back to after we were eliminated um, by the U.S. in the Olympics, and then we had that party. <laughs> and we came back. We partied at the bar. It was just mental Everybody was there. Car and I had a picture sprawled. It was like the wee hours of the morning. The sun had just come up on a cop car. Oh, I had given my accreditation, which as you guys well know, like you can't go anywhere in the Olympics without it. You, you need it at all times. And I had given it to somebody like I was thinking this is this is a sensible decision. I will give somebody my accreditation so I don't lose it. And then I had to talk my way back in through security to get back into the hotel. And I somehow made it back. I think and you then, me and I had to leave early with a, with a, a, a challenge teammate that needed support. Yeah, that's right. But oh, those are the things that I, 
initials. <laughs> Those are the things that I remember. I, I mean, if anybody was was challenged due to being highly inebriated, that was me. No, so, but it wasn't me because you, you went, you accompanied somebody else home. Oh, but yeah. those are the memories. Those are the things that I remember. Well, and I remember if you caused, and this is so bad, if you caused enough chaos in the in the area where you needed to scan accreditation, you could get people in. Like we got Amy Vermeulen in like that. Mm -hmm. We just caused enough chaos and we're all like, oh my God. And we just walked her in. I would yeah. be part of that. I would tell on everyone. <laughs> you would. You're so did that. I didn't do it. You did gnomes without homes, I think, at the security. They probably remembered you. That's true. We have, re we have referenced gnomes without homes on this podcast before. Indeed, we're, they probably yeah. remembered so you. you. Dee and I had like the, the plastic sunglasses that we knocked like the little eyepiece out of or eyepieces out of for somebody's birthday. I think when we were in the Algarve or in Cyprus and we kept them and took like straight faced photos at like with different people doing ridiculous things. Yes. Yeah. So the, the, this is the type of ridiculous thread that needs to be a part of all of these trips. So Ree, what's your favorite memory? Yeah, let's hear it. Um, you remind me of a lot of things there, Ames and Claire. That was interesting. I mean, I, I'll never beat that 2012 bronze and then like Diana Matheson's moment. I love that I stole it. I love that it's my face and her butt. That's really that iconic moment. There is <laughs> in that celebration. Uh, someone asked me the other day, they're like, who's over your shoulder? I'm like, oh, the goal scorer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's so not your style that it would be like you hiding Dee's face and just Dee's ass. The moment was I was trying to, I remember clearly being like, I'm going to lift her so she can sell up like, you know, but she was so tired. She flopped. like, <laughs> And then Sinky jumped on my back. So Dee's head was in her crotch. So I was sort of carrying Sinky around on, as Dee is some sort of like oxen. Um, yeah, that was, that was incredible. That tournament will forever, like, it mean, it meant so much, but also what I, I just referred to it, like the, the team was not, that's not true. The, the way we were playing, we were not the third best team in that tournament, but we were the, probably the best team in the tournament as in that culture and connection, which you, you referenced 2002, Claire, and like the number of players that came through from that underage tournament, um, and that like having understood how to win and that rolled rolled over into 2003 when most of us, I was just a few months older than some of you guys from that tournament. We were so young, that group, and we went straight into the 03 tournament and we, we came forth by accident. I, I mean, we just kept winning games we shouldn't have been winning and like holding on and just grit and it's such an overused term but really did define that group of players and that team for a while like it was we're gonna out muscle work you and we're gonna never quit um so in that way that 03 tournament's kind of interesting to me because it was um it was almost like we expected to win after that we just didn't understand that that was abnormal because most of that team had come from the 2002 tournament and then like yeah obviously 2003 we'd come forth and be kind of disappointed that we messed up against Sweden and allowed those goals late in the game so um some big moments from some of those teams that have really gone on to define like if you think of those winners now that came that brought that program along obviously Claire Rusted you mentioned Amy Vermeulen you've we've talked about Cara Lang Aaron McLeod Sasha Andrews I'm missing so many players from that Brittany Timko Carm um, was there too, right? And we're still missing players. You look at that team and you're like, gosh. Katie Thorlickson. Katie Thorlickson. Defining um, a generation of players in Canada coming from that O2 team, which was yeah. cool to watch on TV and then be a part of very quickly. And it's interesting that you referenced how that went into the 2003 World Cup. And oh, then the team finishes fourth. And as you said, almost just expected it because it was sort of riding that wave. And then the team would never see that success again at a World Cup. Like this this current crop of in players just in a, in a World Cup. Yes. In your World Cup. Right. Exactly. So, My I mean. team came fourth in Uruguay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the senior women's national team at a World Cup, right? So this will be the eighth time the program is qualified for a World Cup. And so in the seven previous iterations, four times the team has been eliminated in the group stages. Yeah. So, and, and as yet to see sort of the heights from that 2003 
World Cup. So what do you think this current crop of players, the roster was just revealed yesterday, what did they have to do to to glean some respect worldwide, but also get these much sought after results? Because you two are pundits and I'm just like in the backseat being like, I have opinion. I'm going to jump in real quick. I wasn't just saying that 2018 Uruguay fourth place to, to brag, but also because I do think we underestimate the importance of success at youth level. Um, because if we think about the 2002, it's, it's in your, it's you're in your understanding when you've been a youth player and you've had success and you've felt that, I think it helps. And there, it's really interesting to, to look at Bev's, um, choices and look at the players she knew about because she was a youth coach for so long and she knows those young players and there's a group coming through and I'm devastated for Jade Rose because what an incredible player and, and human um, you know we could debate Olivia Smith all you want but that is an exceptional talent coming through our youth now and um, and a, a, a number of other players that I didn't have the good fortune to work with that have made this team with youth players now as and um, I think it will help I think it will help them because they don't have that scarring from not having had successes for so many years in World Cup. They they know success, um, which is exciting. I think. Sorry yeah. to cut. No, that's, that's something that's lacking now because of of the underfunding with our programs, specifically our women's team, but just the focus on the the two senior national teams and the the lack of funding, the lack of preparation and development that the youth programming is getting. Claire, sorry, you were going to say something. No, I, I mean, I was just, I was just jumping on um, back what Rian was saying about about 2003. I mean, in 2002, 10 of the starters for that under 19 team um, were actively playing with the senior team at the time, um, and essentially went to all senior and under 19 camps. And you just don't, I mean, you don't get that anymore. Part of that is to do with with um i mean the professional game getting better and now um you know women's national teams have you know have international breaks and everything like that right but um but yet then what happens to those youth players like you're saying amy especially if you're not funding those programs um because i mean just developmentally you you on, on a biologic level, I mean, you the things you learn, you think about kids who learn languages when they're five, right? Um, they they develop fluency a lot faster. Their brains are like little sponges. They, um, uh, they're so much more plastic and, and can just, uh, and, and can learn things so much easier. And, and if you're, if you're ignoring that huge swath of players up until they're, either graduating from high school and playing professionally or until they've reached the senior level, you are completely hamstringing your team. And I think I've been saying this for, like I said, I've, this is my fourth world cup. I've been saying this for 12 years now, but, but where are the goals going to come from? Are and we going to make you a t-shirt Claire? For the I, world cup? You make me a jaunty hat, Amy. Um, <laughs> we all need to get jaunty hats for the cause. <laughs> If we were to get, come on, Rian, be like one of those pillbox hats. No. Oh, like a fascinator. Yes. A, I would be fascinated with your fascinator. No, we should do that. Yes. I'm really horrified by you both. Next broadcast, we're going to have fascinators. And Rian, you are going to be sorry to miss out. But I'm going to get you a t-shirt made. It's going to say where the goal is going to come from. So, yeah. And, and I just, I, I find sometimes I need to qualify I shouldn't have to but I feel like I need to qualify some of the things I say about about this team in that I, I in no way question how hard they work or their heart or their belief or or their all of that stuff that that's that's it's that sh it should be obvious that this that that a critique of their performance in no way actually questions that kind of stuff right um you don't need to qualify it just go I know I don't need to but I feel like sometimes <laughs> it and it just it if you're not developing technically uh, at a young age, the the finesse in and around the 18 yard box is hard to develop when you're older. As somebody who did not have finesse in and I don't know what you're talking box. about. I had plenty of finesse. I'm talking about me. <laughs> I'm being I'm being highly sarcastic because I played 102 times for Canada and only scored five goals. I scored three and I will, the, the caliber of the opponents I scored again was not high. 
I'm sorry, scored against. So, so when you, all I'm saying is, is when, is when you struggle to support the, the youth national teams, I think you, you then start to struggle technically um, as a senior team. And there's a lot to say about the roster that they've, they've brought out. But I think as Rian pointed out, I think the loss of, of Rose is, is really huge because mm-hmm. I think it significantly limits them in terms of the formations they can play. I think it significantly limits them in terms of their flexibility defensively. You uh, see it, sorry to interrupt, you see it as, big, uh, as a big of a loss for like this current tournament or also in that balance of playing now in this current tournament, but also for the future and the immediate future in the qualification games in September, and then also looking forward, assuming they they qualify for Paris 2024. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking immediately for this tournament and this specific lineup. I think that that's a big loss for them. And and then I think, I mean, I think it's actually a good idea they're taking Olivia Smith. Um, I question bringing, um, you know, I hate, I, I, you know, I say things like this and then I get all scared. People are going to yell at me, but I question bringing Nichelle Prince who hasn't mm-hmm. played any competitive minutes realistically. Um, and, and is that actually a smart decision? Should a player like, you know, I mean, look, like Laracy be on this roster. I'm not sure, but I think that having more healthy players is a good idea. Um, What's happening with my lights here? I don't know. It's like time to check out your library books. <laughs> my lights are flashing on and off. Yeah. It's, like trying to, it's trying to tell me to shut up. No, <laughs> it's interesting. I'd like to get your opinion on this, Claire. Like, there's a few yeah. things I'd love to debate with you right now. But one thing that I think is interesting about um, the World Cup is it's a much bigger roster than yeah. the Olympics and how teams use it. So the, the U.S. is under quite a bit of fire right now. They've brought, obviously, um, a few players that aren't seeing the field, like a ton of injured players, but they didn't bring Becky Sauerbrunn, who is their captain, but they brought other players that haven't shown any ability to play yet through injury. And then I look at the Canadian roster, and Bev's definitely taken some risk on a few players. She knows them already. They're not unknowns, right? So she's taken no. But Desi Scott's not gone yeah. and Desi is the heart of the Canadian team I've been there for a while so I could be really wrong but it's an in- it's interesting that you've been there more recently than me so go <laughs> well, I think it's an interesting thing because coaches can take risks on players here but who they've taken risks on I'm looking and I'm like well the U.S. has made a big call to not bring their captain who might not see the field but could be doing a lot of work off of it and the same thing Bev's kind of done the same thing by not bringing a person who connects a team through challenge, but she's taken a risk on players who haven't seen the field yet, who've had major injury, who I love. They're my former teammates um, and who also bring a ton off the field, but it, it is two interesting calls that I'd, I'm looking forward to watching play mm-hmm. out is uh, I think both those coaches have made big, big decisions on it. I'd like to hear your, your thoughts on that. No, well. I agree. I think that's a really, um, it's a really strong point. And I think, you just have to, I guess we just sort of have to decide like what, 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 what is the, it, like is the mentality of the team strong enough that they can make it without somebody like as Ray Scott on, um, uh, at the practice fields, um, in the hotel room, like just, you know, being a major presence in camp. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, I would, I would expect that their mentality is strong enough to kind of overcome that. Mm-hmm. And I don't love taking players who, I certainly don't love taking players who haven't seen a ton of competitive minutes recently um, coming off of injury. I mean, that's, yeah, sure, Michelle Prince and Dan Rose are not unknowns for them, but um, realistically, how much are they going to be able to contribute? So now you've, now, the, the, now that's two roster spots. I mean, what are the, I was like kind of figuring this out recently. Yeah, but, but you also, Claire, you not only have those guys, like the return to play players, but you also have in that same group of not necessarily poor club form, but no club form, like yeah. no club minutes or fitness to sort of rely upon to sort of translate into yeah. country or, and this tournament. So you have Jade Revere who played five minutes under Mark Skinner at Manchester United. Mm-hmm. I have things to say about Mark Skinner, but We'll, we'll just gloss over that because um, Adriana Leon also gets fucked over by him, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's doing so well at West Ham, completely sits on the bench under him. And maybe part of that is is merited. We, we don't know the whole story. Mm-hmm. Goes to Portland, is hoping to get the minutes there, doesn't get the minutes there, and she gets released. So now we have like the two or three players really that were in that conversation to try to be in that race against the clock to make the roster and in Desi Scott, Michelle Prince, and Deanne Rose. Two out of those three make that roster, but then you arguably have four if you include Leon and Revere in that conversation. So that's now a greater percentage of that roster. And I think in order to have success in this type of tournament, you have to be able to rotate your squad in a way so that you not only navigate your group successfully, but you can navigate the entirety of, of the tournament. Yeah, that's yeah. the balance of a. The thing is, this tournament is spread out. That's the advantage. Like the Olympics is a sprint. It's a sprint. You got a tiny team. Like everyone's falling apart. The games are really, really fast. Mm-hmm. The World Cup, you travel. It's hell. Mm-hmm. But you've got longer between games. That rotation of squad has also been blamed for some performances because mm-hmm. they have to gel. They have to play together. You have to do the partnerships. It's it, every coach has their own philosophy on it. Um, and I think it's interesting who Bev has chosen to take risks on and who she hasn't. And that's, I think culture for Canada is what sets them apart and they have a very strong culture. I wonder what it's like when things aren't going so well. And that's where, that's where I'm like, Oh, and they may go perfectly. I hope they do for Canada. But when, when games are tight and we've seen like the Zambia result, we've seen us and and Wales just yesterday, there are not going to be easy games and we're in a tough, tough group. Um, and she's, and she's opted to go for um, some players that haven't had many minutes who are coming back from injury and she's left behind the the heart of the team. And um, I'm, I'm biased. I'm a huge fan of Desi's. I think if she brought her, she'd be really, really held to the fire. It would have been a big call to bring Desi Scott, but um, I also think that she'll be hugely missed. That leadership piece, I think, is hard is hard to replace, as is or as are her defensive qualities that she brings to the heart of that midfield. It's going to be really hard to replace by um, by committee. But how do you see, uh, Rian, to follow up on that thought, the way that Bev manages, for lack of a better word, um, Christine Sinclair's minutes, whether or not she's a starter, whether or not she's coming on as a finisher, and how that maybe disrupts that culture or that sort of I don't know, in, environment and the team um, and, and the balance in the locker room. Yeah, because, I mean, like, Sinky, the, the legend, right? And she's, um, Bev and her are, have a great relationship. And I'm I'm confident that they've had hard conversations and Sinky's very clear on her role. And my understanding of just watching the build-up games is Sinky's going to play a huge part in this tournament. Um, and Bev will build a team around Sinky. And if you look at our midfielders and our forwards, she might have to rely on um, one of the best players to ever play the game, but obviously it's going to be a long tournament and she's, she's going to have to balance upsetting players and making hard decisions with, mm-hmm. um, with playing a player that is historically being the face and the goal scorer for Canada. And, you know, it's going to be a challenging tournament for, for Bev in that way. Cause she's going to have to manage personnel as well as, uh, as the games coming up. I think you have thoughts on that, Claire. You think that could backfire? Me, 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 Do you have something to say about that? Things to say. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, and again, we're qualifying this with the fact that Christine Sinclair is one of the best strikers to ever played a game, obviously. Um, but I think continuing to build the team around her is a mistake. 
And I think it's resulted in this position where, where she's now 40 and, and I don't think it's news to anybody that she's not as fast as she used to be. She's still like the best finisher on this team and and probably still one of the best finishers in the world, but her speed was something that was such a big part of her game. And it's now, it now feels like Bev is trying to shoehorn her into positions that to keep her on the field Mm -hmm. and, and at the expense of players who need to play in those positions. And I, I, talked about this a lot, but, but, but bumping Jesse Fleming out of that attacking midfield role in order to keep Christine on the field is a mistake because this team's creativity and, and, and the attack they're going to be able to generate relies on Fleming. And if Fleming is playing well and allowed the freedom and the create the ability to be creative in that role, I think they will actually be able to do well. And it's just not the role where, Christine Sinclair is at her best and and there has to there there I think this is the time where maybe she doesn't start and if you guys remember oh man now I'm gonna forget dates 20 when was that back 2015 guys yes Vancouver right <laughs> um I'm just sorry you did it Claire you <laughs> got there I really you got made- but but the Americans in that tournament were not good at the beginning of that tournament, and 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 yeah, it was a bit of a slog through those early games. Slog through the group phase, and the big call that Jill Ellis had to make in that tournament was what to do with Abby Wambach. And when she pulled Abby Wambach off the field and put her on the bench and used her as a last 10, 20 minutes kind of player and pushed Carly Lloyd up front, they destroyed Japan in the final, and. And I think we were talking earlier, so I'm going to like bring in another kind of thread we were talking about, but you know, the number of players who haven't had a lot of minutes, the smartest, the the smartest move that a player I think has made recently is Jordan Heidema going to the NWSL because she's been playing and she's getting minutes and she's gaining confidence and she's scoring goals. And, and if, if we are allowed to, if we are allowed to potentially, instead of building this team around one player, build this team around a group of players. And what does, what does that look like? Like, what does it look like to actually have Fleming and Heidema play off each other in a way that doesn't just replace Sinclair with Fleming, yeah. if that makes sense. Right. So how do you allow those players to be themselves on the field? And I think I, I, that takes a little bit. It takes a lot of thought because Christine's been playing for what? 20, 40 years. 20, oh. Well, but like with the 75 f- long years. 30 years with this year team. Like, <laughs> it's a long time. And and anyway, so I just maybe she's like one of those um, like Cuban baseball players and she's actually <laughs> 55. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I think <laughs> I would hope that this, this, cause I think this tournament as a whole, the theme of this tournament, I mean, we we're probably going to talk about ACLs in a bit, but um, I think that don't ruin the surprise. <laughs> well, <laughs> is it a surprise that yeah, we're going to talk about a high incidence of ACL tears. We're going to talk about periods and then we're going to talk about childbirth. No, is that not the order? The rundown? Like, oh, and then cramps. We're going to talk about cramps. Oh, Actually, right. maybe Midal. Midal. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just to get you back on. Yeah. I, Claire, I think what's really interesting about having the three of us on this is like yeah. I'm coming from a coaching. Yeah. Life. And I agree. I agree. Right. Oh, Rian, didn't you win the NWSL championship? What? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Why isn't there like a trophy in the back? I know. There should be a banner. Off a map. And I think what a coach, like what, a you, coach what you say, I agree with, but yeah. we're in tournament mode now. And a coach has to be, has to be so clear on what they're doing. And I don't think I think Bev has made a clear statement in how she's been playing on what she's going to do. And Jill Ellis's change in tactics was in tournament. She made that decision that could have backfired and would have been the worst thing she's yeah. ever done. Hard decisions have to be made. Could have been a real mess. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, um, Jill is it one of the best ever coaches and still she gets hell for, for making hard decisions. It's, it's not a, not yeah. a, job that you take on lightly and there's big decisions need to be made and Bev 
is working with a group of players she knows better than anyone. Mm-hmm. She has to be so clear on how she's going to start this tournament. She's got a plan for how she wants to finish it. Does she change her mind in it? Well, who knows how the results are going to go. You talked about the U.S. having challenging starts. That's not abnormal for them. And growing mm-hmm. through a tournament is key. You don't want to peak in your first game. Um, so I would imagine that. Or on your first podcast, right? Yeah. So let's grow into this shit. Yeah. Well, I do think it's important <laughs> to say, though, that like Sinki has been um, and continues to be someone who's very important for this group. And she has changed how she's that part I don't disagree with. Well, of course. I, I know we all agreed. We're not like, Sinki is a, a linking player now and getting mm-hmm. her on the field, like that is a coaching decision. Do you play all your best players and sometimes have to play players out of position? That's one way to look at it. Or do you play and have to not play some of your best players and put people where you think are best? It's it's a big call. And yeah. from what I've seen, Bev has made the call to get her best, what her perceived best lineup is. Um, I think not having Desi on the field, Amy brought it up. We're not playing that kind of game anymore. So how Bev wants them to play, you know, Desi is so, she's one of the best in the world to ever play as a defensive six. Um, Julia Grosso plays it differently. And mm-hmm. so we do have a second playmaker that can hopefully support um, what Jesse Fleming does. And it's interesting when you say like smart move by Jordan Heidema, like you see Julia blowing up the league with Juventus. Yeah. Similarly yeah. smart move. Agreed. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I've worked with Jordan. She is a fantastic talent. She needed to change. She, she needed to get sharp again. And you're starting yeah. to see that she, she took a second settling at rain and then you've started to see her movement. Um, it'll be really into they're they're in Australia now, like sharpening up and I don't know what they're working on, but uh, from what I've seen, Bev has decided to go with building a team around a Sinclair. And that's where the punditries, you guys are going this way. I'm saying I'm gonna back Bev knowing her team and she's made a decision and I know she'll change what she's doing if she needs to, but she does need to be really confident in what she's doing and like kind of bulletproof in that mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she is. So it'll be really, interesting to watch the group stages because that will be the deciding factor. Does she continue to stay with something that's not working or does it really cement what she's decided to do and um, just needs tightening up for when they get out of the group? Which yeah. Well, to, to that point, they have to stay super tight defensively and then maybe they don't need a ton of goals. Right. But well, I also well, think Olympic that, games. What's that? <laughs> Olympic games. <laughs> well, there we go. I think they yeah. need to reclaim that identity. And then build upon that, right? Yeah. Um, do, do you see anybody poised to be a breakout star for Canada at this tournament? And then um, what are your expectations for, for Canada at this World Cup? Because I think if they're able to navigate that group, finish tops, then the, the path is not an easy one, but it's more clearly defined um, to the semifinals, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'd say... Um... I, I I would say this is the moment for Heidema to become a breakout star. Um, and, and hopefully she's done enough um, playing in the NWSL to build enough confidence and enough um, of, of kind of her instinct around the goal, which comes with games and with minutes. Um, and, and this would be the moment for both her and Fleming to have pretty you know, big breakout tournaments. And I think this is going to be a tournament of that, given how many players have, um, how many big key marquee players have have suffered injuries leading up to the tournament. This is not the only team that's going to have young players who are going to need to step into big roles. Um, So, and then how do I, okay, so how do I think they're going to do? So um, I think if they can't find the back of the net, they are going to go into their third game of the group stage needing points against Australia in front of a home crowd and having to contain Sam Kerr. And I think there's a good, there's a, a non-zero chance that they can come second in the group, which means running into England in the round of 16, which prior to what, six months ago, I said England was going to win the world cup. Mm-hmm. I'm not as sure anymore, but I still think there'll be a very difficult round of 16 quarterfinal opponent. Um, I think it'll be really hard for them to get past that. If they, if they can find start finding the back of the net and start scoring consistently in the run of play, um, then, then I think a quarterfinal spot against potentially France, if they can come first in the group is not out of the realm of possibility for them. Um, I think they would struggle with France. Like, can we also mention your pet peeve? If when pundits are asked about their potential final 
and they and they give you two teams that are on the same time same side of the bracket. Ever <laughs> tell you that story? <laughs> That's when you were you were in Vancouver, and it was the Fox oh, News desk, right? I was doing. This is gonna like no. It it's just let's just say there was a a uh, a, a certain station or whatever. Name names, Rustad. There was a network that <laughs> did this skit where they had all of their plethora of analysts outside holding flags of who they thought would be in the final. And like more than 50% of them didn't make sense. Because, of <laughs> because the, like, they didn't have the matching country's flag or because they just- No, they like, were like, these two teams are going to meet in the final because they're both the best. I'm like, if they're the best, one of them has to come third in their group in order to make this realistic. What are you talking about? <laughs> I can just see your brain exploding. I <laughs> were just like, oh my God. <laughs> anyway. All right, Re, breakout yes, star. I'm terrified to say something wrong. Breakout star and expectations. Yeah, well, I think, Claire, um, you know, you mentioned a lot of great players, and I think I wonder what breakout means. Like, everyone knows about these players. Like, if I say Kaylin Sheridan, like, you better know about Kaylin Sheridan. She's had some huge errors in her game, but if you watch the NWSL, she's incredible. Um, but I think Chloe Lacasse, I, I don't think many people... I like that shout. ...has, yeah. have, like, really... I mean, she's been playing at a high level in, you know... Let, I'm air quoting lesser league here. And she's gone to Arsenal. This is a podcast, Wilkinson. I know, so I'm still air quote. I did it. I'm explaining I did air quote. That's good for me. I'm learning. And then <laughs> I think like for me, you know, Jesse's had big tournaments. Everyone knows about her. And like Kaylin, if you watch the NWSL and Jordan as well, I think have had, their names are known. Um, but I think Chloe has been under the radar and is playing really well. And if you ask where goals are coming from, I think they're gonna come from her. Yeah, um, which is what makes me so crazy that she wasn't utilized in their friendlies this year. Like in the She Believes and and their friendly against France, it makes me just, like it drives me nuts that she didn't see more of the field. Bev has a plan. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Like you got to back one thing, right? And everyone's going to have their opinion. So I don't know what her thinking is. I believe Chloe is going to have a really good tournament. Um, I would agree with that too. Yeah. Um, I think as well, the quarters are, are where I probably see Canada going out, but I, it's such an interesting year. So obviously I coached England and GB and and um, I'm very, very confident that they will have a good tournament, but I also think they're going to struggle hugely against Haiti. <laughs> yes, I, and, I love that. We were having a chat about this and like the the argument or not the argument, the point was made that, and I was looking at, at my previous World Cups, why I only have two, 99 and 2007. I didn't realize that there were still only 16 teams in a World Cup at that point. It was yeah. only 2015. Yeah, when they went up, 16 yeah. teams. it was crazy. Yeah, it's, it's bananas. Tournaments get bigger and bigger as like in my broadcasting career. Yeah, so now twenty four to thirty two. The the initial the knee jerk reaction to that is you think oh there's going to be like such disparity between you know the the giants of the game these these teams that have class and lots of players playing at these top clubs and sort of the minnows of the game. But I think Rian, you made a great point that it it might lead to more of these cagey affairs, not really knowing fully what you're going into, even though everyone has the scouting reports and all that sort of stuff. But on the day, what's happening on the field, I think it might be a roll of the dice. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Amy, we were just having a chat the other day and I was so exciting, like watching Zambia beat Germany and being like, yeah, of course, if you're not ready to play like a Barbara Banda, she can tear you apart. That's and that's a whole other discussion, but great. If, if I was a musician, by the way, I would just name my group Barbara Banda. And I would listen and I don't even Yeah. Um, that's it would be punk. Thing. It'd be punk, I think. Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> but I, I, that's, that is why tournaments grow. There will be blowouts this tournament. Everyone's been like, oh, it's not good for soccer. Yes, it is. Not the blowout itself, but you can't get, um, associations investing in their women's yeah. game until there's actually a major tournament on the line. And so, yeah, there's the risk of that, this tournament. But what I was talking to Amy about is, you know, Haiti's youth teams, incredible. 
They have a French coach whose influence has come all the way through the system. I don't know anything about how they're training. I'm not trying to to sit because I know they've had massive funding problems. They've not been treated well at all levels, but they're in Haiti training hard. They have some incredible players. One going to Lyon, Mondesir has been there um, for years now showing her quality. And I would say they know the dark arts of the game respectfully. They know how to win. And England is going to look at Haiti. They're going to look at them on a map. They're going to look at their population. And I think it's easy to say you're not going to look past your first game of the tournament, that they're going to go out there and and set standard. But until you've played a team like Haiti, you're not ready (laughs) because they are very good. They have some incredible talent there that you're going to start seeing now because um, her name's escaping me, but the player going to Lyon now, um, who's amazing just amazing player and people don't know about her and uh, she's going to go and blow up this tournament and that team is well prepared they're well coached and they know how to irritate people and as a canadian who played on teams that knew how to irritate people you can get big results this concludes part one of episode one you mentioned dark arts so what was your favorite dark arts move you know you have to do it sort of under the radar what are you doing to get into somebody else's kitchen Join us next time for part two of episode one of Footy Prime's The Broadscast. I was pinching, I was pulling. A broad perspective of all things footy. Come on, Claire, fuck off. You did some shit. I was just pulling like a big thing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 